Thank you. Have a seat. Ooh, I don't know what that's about, but that'll get me excited. Hey, now. I'm not used to that. Uh, man, thank you guys so much for, uh, for uh, having me here this weekend and, and the teens. Uh, man, it's been a great hanging out with them and, and seeing what they've been doing this weekend. And, and I do think it's interesting, though, that my older brother asked me to preach at his church on daylight savings. I, I, I don't really appreciate that. The, the one day of year you've had one less hour of sleep, yeah, I'll make Rob get up there. That's really nice. I appreciate that. But man, thank you guys, and, and it's always great to be back here in Rudoso and in New Mexico, and just the, uh, you guys are so blessed with this church and, and just the spirit uh, that this church has, and so I'm glad to be with you this morning. Uh, I, I love this setup. I love uh, this table sitting here in the middle, and, and uh, John was telling me that last week that, uh, that it was set up like a, a picnic, and, and that this week it's set up like a, uh, those were root beers, I think, uh, and we got some uh, peanuts and some things like that, and so uh, it, it's kind of set up maybe as more a little bit of a, a restaurant or a little more bit of a bar kind of feel almost, and, and those are, I mean, I'm assuming these mugs are only for root beer, uh, so we'll go through and we'll kind of talk about that, that though. Well, what what some of your most favorite memories when it comes to meals? Uh, you know, we, we especially here in America, we have a big Thanksgiving meal when we sit down with family. We have a, a large meal uh, at Christmas or, or maybe some other times. And, but what are some of your favorite moments that you can think of? Oh, if I had to pick one or two meals that are some of my favorite memories of people that I sat down with, friends or family, what, what, what comes to mind? What do you think of? I have several that I could I could share with you, but but one of them was actually several Christmases ago. Uh, we brought we came out here with our family, and most of the family met out here. And and uh, John took uh, uh, all the the uh, nieces and nephews and cousins. We all went out to Fun Trackers, I think, and and we rode cars in the freezing cold. Uh, and then I think we I think we were going to go intertubing, but we didn't have any snow, so we couldn't go intertubing. And and uh, we came back to the house, and Amy had set out this amazing table. Uh, and I think, I think one of the ladies here from the, the church helped uh, cook the meals even, I believe. And, and she had out uh, the china, I believe, from, from my grandmother. And I just remember sitting down for that Christmas meal with my brother and, and, and his family and my sister and her family. And uh, we had some of our, our cousins there with some of their adopted children. And I just remember sitting at that meal and going, this, this is a special time to sit at the table with people I love. Uh, another one of my favorite meals was uh, I got to go to Hawaii with my wife a couple of summers ago uh, with the kids. And thank goodness we kicked the kids. We sent the kids home after a few days. We didn't really want them there anyways. Uh, and me and my wife, we got a bed and breakfast. It was the most beautiful bed and breakfast I'd ever been to in my life. It overlooked the oceans, uh, the ocean and the mountains. And, and we went to this incredible restaurant that we, we sat right by the ocean as the sun was setting. And my wife looked beautiful that day. Oh, she looked amazing that night. And I remember sitting there, eating with her, looking at the scenery, listening to the waves come in, and looking at my wife and thinking, this is a meal that I want to remember. In your opinion, what are the most important meals that you've ever been a part of? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you and we just ask for the next 20, 25 minutes or so, Father, that we would, that we would be opened up to your word that you would speak to our hearts, that you may encourage us, or if needed, you might challenge us or convict us. But Father, help us see what this table should represent in our life and help it be a place that we maybe share with more people. We love you and we ask these things in your son's name. And everybody says... Amen. Well, to, to start off the, talking about this, this whole this meal idea, I want to share with you one of my favorite breakfast meals that every time my wife is out of town that I'm going to cook for my family, and it is the Lego. 
Okay, the Lego, not Lego, the ego. <laughs> it, it's not good when the, when the wife comes home and the kids have been eating Legos. That's bad. Uh, uh, I, I, I love Egos. They're the easiest thing in the world. You take them out. You th- if you have time, you put them in the toaster. If not, you just eat them frozen. I don't mind. Uh, but, but I'm kind of weird about the Egos. I don't know about you guys, but I, whenever I eat an Ego, I always like to put, try to get syrup in every single one of the compartments. I don't know why. It's kind of odd, I know, but, but that's how I like to do it. Uh, and, and, and I've actually heard someone say one time that an Ego kind of represents a man's brain and how it works. Okay, and so the way that, that what they mean by that is this, is there's all these compartments, uh, it's kind of compartmentalized uh, in an ego. And, and so, for example, me and my wife, we might have an argument, I'm sorry, we, we might have a discussion uh, one morning, okay, before I go to work. And, and so that's kind of in my mind, I'm kind of thinking about that and, and kind of frustrated about maybe what we were discussing. Uh, and, and, but as soon as I get to work, I leave that conversation behind and I then go into work mode. And I, it no longer bothers me that I had that conversation with my wife. And I'll worry about that conversation later on. And then I go into work mode, and, and then it's time for the teens to come into the church on Wednesday night. So I go into ministry mode, and, and then I get home from, from, from work, and, and it's time for me to go into relax mode. And then I get in bed, and I'm ready to go to sleep. I'm in sleep mode. But see, here's the thing. My wife is not in that mode yet, okay? She's still in the conversation mode. Oh, women, please hear this. This is a great way to live. You really should try this. Just where, oh, well, we had that, that argument, and he went to work, and I guess we're done with that argument now. That's a great way to live, okay? You should really try it sometime, right? But I think that if we're not careful, we can end up making our lives a little bit like this ego. We can start compartmentalizing our lives if we're not careful. Now, let me, I'm a youth minister, so let me share with you really quick how, how I think that happens with teens. Uh, one way that I think that Satan uses compartmentalization with teenagers is that teens will go to school, and, and they've got their friends that, that they, they sit in class with, then they've got their friends that they, they go to practice with, then they have their friends that they, they hang out with maybe after school, they have their friends at work, they have their friends at the sporting event, they have their friends at youth group, and if we're not careful, they can end up, teens can end up compartmentalizing those things, and they actually act sometimes extremely different with each group of those people. Now, adults, unfortunately, sometimes we're not much different than that. Uh, I think Satan still does that in our lives as well. Uh, but I think it comes down to sometimes for adults that we go, well, I have Sunday morning and, and I act a certain way and I live a certain way with Sunday morning and hopefully even with my family. But when it comes to work, when it comes to finances, when it comes to certain things, I, 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 maybe I need to keep work and those other things separated from who I am on Sunday morning and, and how I act and, and how I, 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 I behave. I think it's also interesting in America, uh, the, the culture has put on us that there needs to be compartmentalization in our lives with political correctness. And this is a whole other lesson, a whole other sermon, but, but I think it's interesting that, uh, let, me, let me show you this picture right here, that uh, it, it's okay for, uh, for there to be other worship, for there to be worship in other countries where, where Muslims, they will, they will bow down several times a day. And if you've ever been to a Muslim country, the entire town shuts down for prayer. And I've heard of places here in the United States where, where people have said, man, we need to to make it where if there's a Muslim person in a workplace that we, we provide that person a place to pray those several times during the day. And, 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 and there's, there's no problem with that. We seem to be like, well, yeah, we should let other people worship the way that they want to worship. But then we have this weird, bizarre thing that happened a couple of years ago in Denver where one gentleman wants to pray by himself and not bother anybody else. And everybody in Denver got really irritated at this. 
it was kind of interesting living in Colorado, hearing people say, why doesn't he just keep that stuff at church? Why doesn't he keep that stuff personal? Why does he have to be on the sidelines doing that? They're trying to compartmentalize. They're saying, you know what? It's okay for all these other world religions to act the way they want to act and to behave they want to behave. But Christians, you guys should really just keep it in this room. Keep it to yourself. Isn't that kind of interesting? It's another sermon, though. So bring me back next daylight savings. We'll talk about that more. Luke chapter 14, uh, we read it a second ago, and, and I think it's amazing that immediately in the story that you see there's compartmentalization occurring. That they purposely, they set up this meal not as a time to sit down with Jesus and enjoy Jesus. They set up this meal, I think, to set him up. Because you remember the first part of what we read in Luke chapter 14, that there was a man who was sick and it was the Sabbath. And so it's almost like they set this meal up to test Jesus. Will he try to heal him on the Sabbath or not? You see how they're already compartmentalizing. There's six other days that you can heal. Come on those days to be healed. Don't come on the Sabbath to be healed. They're compartmentalizing. And then after that, it says that Jesus noticed that they began to try to kind of work their way where certain people wanted to sit by Jesus or they wanted to sit by the the important people of the meal. They're compartmentalizing already again. And Jesus points that out to them. And I think it's amazing that Jesus knows this meal is a setup. This meal, they're there to try to trap him. Now, if that was me, man, I, I've been on a few dates like that in high school. They were setups, man. And I tried to get out of those dates as fast as I could, okay? But I think it's interesting that our Lord, he's okay with that. That he sits down at the table, even though there's hostile people there. Because maybe he can teach them something. And then he goes in to this beautiful description of talking about, he turns to the host. The next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, uh, the kind of people who can return the favor. Invite some people who never get invited out, the misfits from the wrong side of the track. You will be an experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. So let me ask you a question. Those, those meals that we were thinking about earlier, those, those special meals, how many of those meals have been with the misfits, with the people from the other side of the track? How many of those have been people that maybe were outside your compartmentalization of typical meals together? Let me share a couple of stories with you of some things, that, uh, some meals that I've got to have in, in the past couple of years with some people that I really enjoyed. Uh, two summers ago, uh, we, we did a, a mission trip where our teens just showed up to the church and we had no idea what the plan was. We just got in the van and we prayed and we would drive to a town and we would get out and we would ask God, God, is there anything you want us to do here? Do we need to stay here or go to the next town? We spent a whole week doing that. And it's amazing things came from that trip. Matter of fact, Raina was with us on that trip. And, and uh, actually, uh, Lauren, uh, Lauren Sportsman was our intern that summer and it was a wonderful wonderful trip and, and we ended up in a small little town in the mountains oh thank you god for sending us west and not east there's nothing out east it's all desert and so i was so glad that he sent us west and and we ended up in this small little church and and we had a free night where there's nothing really going on that night so we did this thing with our teens where we we uh, we have a cook-off we have kind of like the uh, the top chef if you will and we break our teens into small groups and we give them some money and their job is to try to create these wonderful incredible meals and so they make these meals and then after they make the meals they have 
have to even decorate the tables and they have to, uh, they, they, I'm basically, I'm the judge and, and they, they basically kiss up to me for the next several minutes. Uh, and, and so I get to sit at each table and I get, they bring me the food and they tell me, well, this was made from a fine salmon from Walmart. And, uh, you know, the, the grape juice is a 92 and, and, and different things like that. And, and so they, they, they basically, it's just the only time the teens are ever nice to me in my youth group is, is why I do this. And, and they set up these beautiful, amazing tables with incredible meals. Well, it was really interesting, interesting because we had it set up where uh, I was going to be the judge. But there was a young man at this church who was just kind of following us around those, past, those, those couple of days. He was probably about 25, 26 years old, and he was a little socially awkward. He was the kind of person that, that when you went up and you met him, you immediately, you knew this guy is going to be kind of hard to have a conversation with. And he just kind of followed us around all weekend. And, and as we went to people's houses or, or, or uh, yards to do work, he would just kind of come with us. And, and he wouldn't really help. He'd just kind of stand off to the side quietly. And every now and then he would try to say something to us. And, and, and he was just, he was an awkward person to be around. Well, it came time for us to set the tables, for us to have this wonderful, incredible, and I think I have a picture of him here. Uh, his name was Stephen. And uh, we, we sat down to, to, to have the meal. And, and, and somebody said, hey, Rob. What about Stephen? Can Stephen eat with us? And I went, yes, Stephen can eat with us. That's brilliant. I would love for Stephen to eat with us. And a matter of fact, I said, Stephen, why don't you be the judge instead of me? And so Stephen got taken around from table to table, and, and the teens would come, and they'd pull the seat out for him, and, and Stephen would sit down, they'd put a, they'd, you know, put a napkin on, on his lap, and they'd bring him a drink, and, and, and they would talk to him, and they'd be like, you know, oh, and they, and, and they were just, they made him feel so welcome. And I remember standing off to the side and watching Stephen's face and just how amazed he was and how excited he was to see people finally pay attention to him. You see, we finally broke out of the compartmentalization, if you will, with Stephen. And we were gone for a couple of days. And when we came back to stay at that church on the way back home, Stephen was there and he had memorized every single one of the teens' names and he had written each of them a thank you note. The teens were so excited to have Stephen. And every time we go back to that little town, what they can't wait to see is they can't wait to see Stephen. Uh, let, let me kind of compare this here. Uh, we, this, is, this is typically sometimes how we act. And reality is we shouldn't be acting like this. Reality is we should be acting like spaghetti. Okay? Now, I, I, I got in trouble last time I used this analogy, so please don't take this wrong. But this represents a woman's brain a little more accurately. And that is not an insult. That's where I got in trouble last time. That is a compliment. Because spaghetti isn't, it isn't separated. It, it's, it's kind of all meshed together. And honestly, that's how a woman's brain works. When, we, when we, me and my wife have that conversation, when we have that argument, man, all day long it affects everything that throughout her day. She goes to do the laundry and she's thinking, I got to talk to Rob when he gets home. And she goes to do the bills and she's thinking, you know, I, I wonder if Rob looked at it like this. And as soon as I come home, she wants to make the relationship right because everything is interwined. Everything is interconnected. And I'm afraid sometimes we don't treat our Christianity like this. And we really need to where it overlaps into every part of our lives. Amen? So let me share a couple of more quick stories with you guys. Another uh, wonderful thing that happened to us uh, uh, that we've been doing with our... Let me share the scripture first. For who is greatest, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table, but I among but, but I am among you as the one who serves? We read the scripture several years ago with our youth group, and, and we said, why don't we take this scripture lit- literally? 
And every Wednesday night, we meet at a fast food restaurant, and, and we see, uh, we'll go to Taco Bell for a month long every Wednesday night. We'll go to Burger King for a month long every Wednesday night. And I said, we see the same people there every time. Why don't we try to get to know their names? Why don't we try to, to, to minister to them as they serve us? And so to practice this, we loaded up one night, and we went to Denny's. And uh, we, we, we took a group of like 20 teens in. And could you imagine being a waiter at Denny's and you see 20 teenagers walk in and they all sit at one table? You're probably doing your best to make sure you don't get that table. And there was one guy, I don't remember his name, we'll call him Steve. And Steven, Steven was about to get off and go home. And the boss said, hey, Steven, head over there. Oh, good grief. Got to go help these 20 teens. Give me a break. And so he comes over and he starts to serve us and he starts to ask, uh, you know, what we'd like and things. And the teens, they realized that they weren't sitting there to be served. They were sitting there to serve him. And so they asked his name and they asked, hey, you know, how long you've lived here? They started asking questions of him. And some of the, some of the guys said, hey, what's, what's, what's your favorite food here? If you could order anything, what would you order? And they said, uh, the number two. Well, I want two number twos then. And what they did with the second number two is they said, hey, will you go ahead and you pack this up and you take this home? And at the end of that meal, the teens were so polite to this gentleman, and they were so kind to him that they gave him a standing ovation uh, at the end of the meal. They said, man, thank you so much for serving us. And they all stood up and applauded for him, and they tipped really well, and they gave him those extra things of food. They said, man, you were right. Number two was the best one. Here, I got one for you also. And as we were leaving, one of our adults went over to talk to Stephen, and Stephen was almost in tears. He said, I can't believe I almost went home and missed out on this today. Any of you guys plan on going to eat after this? Any of you guys going to eat every Sunday after church? Any of you guys have a favorite restaurant that you go to? Man, I'd like to challenge you. What if you were to go to the same restaurant for the next several months and you decide you're there to serve the one who's there to serve you? How could God possibly use that? Hmm. Well, we've been doing a study with our teens recently. I'll finish up last story here. And uh, I'll skip this picture, go to the next one. Uh, The study's been called The Invisible. And we've been talking about all the people that God saw that everybody else treated like they were invisible. Uh, we, we talked about the, the man at the, the, the well, or I'm sorry, at the pool that, that, wasn't, that they couldn't get into the pool to be healed. We talked about the woman at the well. We talked about the good Samaritan and how, how so many of these people through the Bible, other people didn't see them, but Jesus saw them. They were not invisible to our Lord. And, and I, I challenged our teens with, with this thing where I was saying, hey, I want to challenge you guys to wake up in the morning and to pray that you can see the invisible people that exist throughout your day. And then when you see those invisible people, don't be afraid. Do not fear. I want you to go and talk to them. Just do it. Don't The Nike thing stands for just do it. Don't think about it too much. You'll make an excuse. You'll, you'll chicken out. Just go spend time to them. Just get with them. Go talk to them. And during that conversation, what I want to challenge you with is this, is I want to challenge you to ask them, hey, what can I do for you? And so I encouraged our teens to wake up and pray and, and all that kind of stuff. And then God kind of tapped my shoulder and said, hey, Rob, are you going to do that? And I went, I don't want to do that. I want to tell the teens to do it. So I decided I was going to start doing that. Well, right after I started doing that, I got started praying. I went to the local Burger King uh, in the morning. I, my, my favorite meal is, is the number two at Burger King, the breakfast with the, the iced coffee. I love that stuff. And, and I, I went in, I took my laptop, and I said I was going to sit down and work there for a couple of hours. And when I walked in, there was this lady who was just, she was just annoying. Her name was Marianne, I found out later. But as I walked in, this woman was just goes, hey, how's it going? It's cold out there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is kind of cold. It is. And I kind of get in line, and, and she's behind me. She goes, so, but I'm not cold. I'm not cold because, come here, come here, fill my jacket. This jacket is really warm. 
okay. So I go over and feel her jacket and stand back in line again. Oh, what are you going to get? Going to get the, you gonna get this, this food or that food? I'm going to get the number two. Leave me alone, lady, you know? And, and she was just, she wouldn't stop talking. And as other people would come in, she just kept talking to them. And I got in the car and I drove, I, I decided not to stay there. I was so annoyed. I, I, I got in the car, started to drive to work and God went, Hey, Rob, you just missed the invisible. Why don't you go back? And I made an excuse because I'm busy. They don't have Wi-Fi. I got other things I got to do, Lord, okay? And it finally God convicted me enough that I went, all right, I've got to go back. Especially if I'm telling our teens to do this, I've got to do this. So I did. I went back and I went, to be honest, I went back at 11. I thought maybe she'd be gone. She was more of a breakfast person. (laughs) And as soon as I walk in, there she is. Hey, how's it going? It's cold out there, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But this time, instead of avoiding her, I took my bag and I set it down at the table right next to her. And I got in line, and, and I noticed that, especially children that came in, she would talk to the children. And matter of fact, she went and she got one of the little Burger King uh, crowns for one of the kids and took it over to them and, and asked their name. And, and as I was in line waiting to get my food, there was an elderly couple who was coming up. And she got up and went and opened both sets of doors to help them in. And I sat down next to her and pulled out my laptop and kind of visited with her and kind of ate breakfast a little bit. And I said, what, what's your name? And she told me her name. Her name was Marianne. And she began to tell me, she just began to tell me her life story. She said, I've grown up here and, and, and uh, my father was, was the chief of police back in the, the, the 70s and, and I was in the police station or I, I worked for the police. I was one of the highest levels and, and I worked with, I worked at the, 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 the jail when, when parents would, would come to, or I'm sorry, when the families would come to visit the people in jail, I was in the charge of, of, of overseeing that. She goes, it broke my heart, especially seeing the kids. Sometimes the parents wouldn't even pay attention to their kids. And other times, the parents were some of those loving parents I ever saw. She says, but now I've been struggling with dementia, and, and I can't drive. As of the past week, I can't drive anywhere. And the whole time she's telling me her story, she's still talking to other people all around us. She's getting people refills of their drinks. And I just sat there amazed, and I just said, God, I'm sorry that I've avoided sitting at the table with somebody who annoyed me at first, and now has inspired me. Well, I was getting ready to ask her, Marianne, what, what can I do for you? And literally, I was, I was getting ready to, to walk over to her before I left to say, Marianne, I, I, I walked up and I was getting ready to say, you know, it's so nice to meet you and, and thank you for being such a blessing to me. What can I do for you? And as I was walking over there, one of the ladies who worked behind the counter yelled, hey, Marianne, now that you don't have your car anymore, I guess we better start saving some money for some bus tokens for you, huh? And so I just stopped and I went, okay, God threw me a bone. I don't have to ask for that. I'll just get her some bus tokens. So I went back to our church, and our, our teens and our youth group raised $80 worth of bus tokens for Marianne. And we wrote her a letter that just said, Marianne, we've heard about your kindness and how you love others and how you treat others. We're so sorry to hear about the, the problems you've been going through. But we want you to know God has not forgotten you. And just to give her a, those, those bus tokens. You see, it's just like that scripture talked about earlier. That we think we're the ones who are going to bless others when we get outside of our little compartmentalization when it comes to who we visit with, who we eat with, who we spend time with. But reality is we are the ones who are blessed. Amen? So let me challenge you with this. The story goes on to say that as Jesus talked about this, in verse 20 he says, he begins to tell a story about that there'll, be, there'll come a day where there's a man who he has a huge wedding banquet, a huge feast. And he invites all these people to come to the feast, but people start making excuses of why they can't do it. 
Oh, I just bought a field. Oh, I just got an oxen. Oh, I just got I just got married, and everybody knows wives don't like to get dressed up and go to banquet. So I'm sorry, I, I can't I can't make it to the banquet. And in verse 20 it says, So the servant came and reported this to the master. Then the household uh, then the householder in anger said to his servant, Go quickly to the streets and to the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the maimed, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to his servant, Go out to the highways and hedges, compel people to come in that my house might be filled. Ah, oh, that his house might be filled because there's going to come a day where there's a table that's been prepared for us and it's a lot bigger than this table and the bible tells us that that it will be filled with every kind of person i look forward to that day let me share one last meal and then we'll finish up I, my, my wife's mother and my, my, my wife's grandmother, we call her Gerdzie. Gerdzie is a very original grandma, and she's, she's now legally blind. And, and she's the kind of person that, that everybody who's sick in town, everybody who's having a problem or, or has gone to the hospital or has had surgery or something like that, man, everybody know, knows Gerdzie. Everybody knows Graham because she's visiting him. She's helping take care of him. And she had her 80th birthday party last summer. And she, she put together a list of everybody she wanted at the party. And me and my wife were in charge of cooking and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and people started coming in the door. And as they came in the door, I, it, was, it was kind of funny. It was kind of overwhelming. About three of them were blind, so we had to walk them in and sit them down. And, and they're like, where's, where's Gran? Where's Gerds? You know, and you had to put them together so they could talk. And, and three more people came in in wheelchairs. And people were coming in in walkers. And people were knocking stuff over with their, their canes and stuff like that. And, and everybody was over the age of 120, I think. And, 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 and trying to feed food to people that old, that, that many problems is crazy because everybody's allergic to something. And, and we're sitting down this, this huge circle, and I go, okay. Okay, Graham, what do you want to happen next? And she goes, well, you're the youth minister. Let's play some games and do some mixers. <laughs> what, Red Rover, Red Rover? You know, what, what do you want from me, Graham, you know? But in the middle of all this chaos, in the middle of all these people who were so needy, God just kind of whispered into my ear, oh, Rob, can't you, I bet you just can't, can't I can't wait for the day when we have this meal together in heaven. Because this may be the closest you, the, the meal that's, that, that you should remember most because it may be the closest you ever get to what the first meal in heaven will be like. So let me challenge you, brothers and sisters. You're ready to go to lunch. You're ready to go to sit down at a table. Somebody's going to serve you. There's going to possibly be somebody at the restaurant that you sit down at that they are all by themselves. Maybe they're the kind of person that's kind of annoying. Maybe they're the kind of person that doesn't typically order root beer with their beverages or glasses like this. Are you willing to break out of your compartmentalization and see what God can do at the table? Because a day is coming, and I hope it comes quick, when the Lord will set the table for us. And I hope we can sit at the table with people who are nothing like us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come to you, and we thank you so much that you have set a table for us, that you have invited us. But Father, we are guilty, just like in the story your son told. We make excuses. Today, we will make excuses for why we don't serve others. Today, we will make excuses why we don't break out of our compartmentalization. 
why we just think maybe it's just better if we just keep our family together. Maybe we, we don't talk. We don't spend time with some of the people who don't fit in. Oh, Lord, forgive us, because if you were here today, I think you'd rather be sitting at a different table than the table with me sometimes. So, Lord, I pray we become the kind of people that we invite everyone to the table, especially the ones who are misfits, especially the ones from the other sides of the track who don't fit in, because, oh, how we will be repaid. We love you, and we ask these things in your son's name. The church says, amen. Amen.